Clovercrest Media Group is proud to present season two of Sticky Beak. He threatened to kill her, you know. He said it out loud. He said, I will kill you. She did not believe him. I think the circumstances were dubious about her disappearance because she had run away several times prior. She told me he hasn't told a soul. The man driving the car, whoever he was, nobody's ever said a peep. It was never talked about again, even between the two of them. And I'm not sure those two even saw each other after this. In a no-body case, you generally need time and seclusion to dispose of the body. She told me that he's been lying. He lied about this whole thing. In his own mind, he probably does love her in a way we would consider particularly sick or twisted. But I think in his own mind, he does love her. She felt like she was climbing the walls, which isn't a phrase that a kid would use, but that's what she's telling me. Like she felt like she was almost trapped. She said she was trying to look for a way out. I won't go into detail, but I would say you're hot. Subscribe to Sticky Peak wherever you listen to podcasts. Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys to the city. Keys to the city, baby. I crossed up by Kobe, well, floated Shaq, and then Shaq goes like this, and the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on, fun. But I didn't make my point. I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clovercrest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. Welcome to Sports Talk with R and J. I am Steve Risser along with Justin D'Onofrio. And the Jets finally did it. They traded Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, they got back in return. They got a sixth round pick this year and a second round a fourth round pick and second round pick in 2022 and a fourth round pick in 2022. So the Jets finally made their decision. They got rid of Sam Darnold. We know what decision, we know what direction they're going in, in the draft. We know what they're probably taking in the draft. They're probably taking Zach Wilson now. So the, the new coach, Robert Sala, and the GM, who wasn't there when they drafted Sam Darnold, Joe Douglas, they want their own guy, and they're going to get their own guy. They're probably going to get their own guy in Zach Wilson so they could now so now they could build this team around a rookie quarterback. They, they saw in the offseason, in the offseason, they went out and got Corey Davis. They went out and got Carl Lawson. They're probably next offseason going to make a ton of other moves too because they're going to take advantage of Zach Wilson being on that, being on that rookie deal. So, I, you know, for the Jets, I, I think – just because, and I'm a Sam Darnold guy, don't get me wrong, but just because they're not going to have to pay Darnold all this money, this could eventually end up helping them. But they better hope if they take Zach Wilson that Zach Wilson is a great player because this is risky, you no know, giving up on Sam Darnold after three years and and him and putting and having an absolutely terrible roster around him for the three years that, that he's there. So I, I think that uh, I think that this move could help both teams. Uh, but the, here's the thing for the Jets: for them, for them to make this work, they better hope Zach Wilson, if they take him, is really, really good. Yeah, you know, um, it's good for both sides because I think Sam Darnold needed a new fit. Um, just because of everything going on in the last few, having Adam Gates the last two years, and then his rookie year, his offense coordinator is not even in the league anymore. So it was good for you know Sam Darnold. But yeah, it's a lot of pressure on the Jets because. You know, you, you've seen what um, Ryan Tannehill has kind of become after Adam Gates. I'm not saying, you know, Ryan Tannehill is like a top five quarterback, but he's steadily and it has improved since down in Miami when everybody kind of, you know, gave up on him. So, yeah, it's a big, big move here for the Jets to make now. Um, but, yeah, they want their own guy. And it could work out. You know, again, we don't really know how it's going to work out until we actually see Zach Wilson starting some games to see 
how he's going to do because yeah, most likely they're going to be drafting Zach Wilson. Oh, it's obvious that they're. It's obvious they're taking a quarterback. And I'm not. I mean, I'm 95, 98 percent sure it's going to be Zach Wilson. But it's obvious they're taking a quarterback. It's obviously the top three picks in the draft are going to be. This is this is what this is it's definitely going to happen. Top three picks in the draft are going to be quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. That's obvious now. We've we've seeing what's happened the last couple of weeks. That's established. And seeing what the Falcons do at four if they trade if they trade that pick, it then then it would be quarterback, 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 quarterback. So there there's there is a chance that the top the the, the first four picks. Our quarterbacks, but for the but for the Panthers, I, I I I like this move. I really really do. I like this move. I think I think Sam Darnold, if he out out of all the quarterbacks next year, I think he would be the second. I don't know if he'll end up being the second best, you know, quarterback out of all the quarterbacks taken. But going to next year, he would outside of Trevor Lawrence, he would probably be the second best quarterback in terms of how good he would be next season, this season. So I I, I like this move for the Panthers. I think this is a this is a great situation for. And you got you got we got a comment from your friend Sean. It says the Jets need help. They do, and I think the big reason why the Jets did this was because they needed to build a. They could not deal with a quarterback making thirty five million a year. They they could not rebuild their team with a quarterback making thirty five million a year. And to be fair, a quarterback that has not played has not played well in the three years he's been with the Jets. Yes, yes. Part of it is the team around him has been terrible, but part of it has been Sam Darnold has has thrown some terrible interceptions as we saw as we've seen in these three years. We saw that game against. The IC Ghost games against the Patriots, where he threw four interceptions. I mean, he's had some. Ter- I mean, I'll admit he's had some absolutely terrible performances. So, yes, to Sean's point, the Jets need help, and a big reason why they moved on from Sam Darnold was that they they uh, they need to they need to build their team around a younger quarterback and a quarterback that's less expensive. So, I think the biggest reason the Jets did this was financially they they could not afford to pay Sam Darnold all this money and 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 be a team that 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 has any chance. So, I think. Financially, the Jets had to do this for the Panthers. Though I think this move is really good because there are some. This was a this was a team that was 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 competitive last year. They lost eight, eight one score eight yeah. one score games last year. This yeah. team lost. So Matt Rules is I feel like is doing a good job here. I think this team is competitive. And don't forget who their offensive coordinator is, Joe mm-hmm. Brady. And you saw what he did with Joe Burrow his his senior year at uh, at LSU. I mean, Joe Burrow looked like he was going to be doing something else after after his career, and now now and then he became the number one overall pick. So they have a really really good offensive coordinator in Joe Brady. And I think there's there and there's definitely better weapons on this team than there was uh, than there was uh, when when he was with the Jets. Obviously, you got probably when healthy the best running back in the league, in Christian McCaffrey, two, re- two one really good receiver in uh, DJ Moore, and one pretty good receiver in Robbie Anderson. Don't forget. He, Sam Darnold was with Robbie Anderson when he was with the Jets, so there's a so they have chemistry there. And then you look at the defense of the Panthers. Yeah, last year that defense was about was about average to below average, but still it's a very young defense. With you know Brian Burns, a good player, he got he gets a lot of pressure. Doesn't get a ton of sacks, but he gets a lot of pressure. And then you got a you got Derek Brown, who they drafted with the seventh overall pick last year. Shaq Thompson, one of the definitely one of the better linebackers in the league. And then in the secondary, Jeremy Chin was was up for a defensive rookie of the year last year. So this is a young defense and a defense that could be pretty good as well. So this is this is a team on the rise. But here's the deal for Sam Darnold: there is no no more excuses anymore because of the, if he doesn't, if they're not in playoff contention, I don't care about the situation with the dead money. Yes, they did exercise his fifth year option. I don't care about the situation with the dead money. Say they go four and thirteen or five and twelve, Sam Darnold's not back next year, and they're, they're and they're 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 trading him or releasing him, and they're drafting a quarterback next year. So. This there is a lot of pressure on Sam Darnold to get it done this year because the excuses are over. He has got to get the job done this year. He's got to have this Panthers team in playoff contention, competing for a wild card spot, in my opinion, for him to be the Panthers quarterback of the future. But, Justin, I ask this question. Are the Panthers a playoff team 
with with Sam Darnold as their quarterback? I'm going really back and forth for that seven spot with them, San Francisco, and Arizona. It's very close between all three of them right now. So I, I think they can be. I, I think it could be a team that won eight nine games. You said it. You know, they've lost eight score. They lost eight one score games last year. So you know. Again, they, you know, they could have been eight and eight. You know, who knows? They win half of them. They're eight or nine and seven. They win four of those. So I, I think they will be. I think they'll be right there with Arizona, San Francisco. Um, and it's, you know, you mentioned it too with the young defense will be year two for them. You know, they'll be, you know, the defense is going to be even better next year. It's a really young team. You know, and you would think Joe Brady had a say too and if he wanted Sam Darnold. So you, you'd think he must like Sam Darnold. Do you want, you know, for trading for him? So, yeah, and, you know, you said it. You saw what he did with Joe Burrow and that LSU offense, which is so potent um, a few years ago. So I, I think the Panthers will be a better team. And, you know, I, I, you know, I'm another guy. I do like Sam Darnold. I thought, you know, the Jets kind of ruined him. Um, you know, Adam Gase was just not the right guy, you know. And so I, I think it's good for Sam to kind of have a fresh start. I saw a video. He looks, he looks pretty happy to have a new star in Carolina. So. I think he can lead Carolina to a playoff spot. Yeah, and here's the thing with me. There's two things he's going to have to do for the Panthers. There's two things he'll have to do for the Panthers uh, to be a playoff team next year. Number one, he's got to stay on the field. He's missed ten, he missed 10 games in the last three years for the Jets. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of games to miss. That's, that's three games a year. You can't be a successful team in the NFL when your quarterback keeps missing three games a year. So that was another reason why the Jets probably didn't want to didn't want to keep him because he just, he just can't stay healthy. And another thing is, is he's got to eliminate throwing that terrible interception. Yes, he makes the, that flashy play under pressure. I've seen it. Yeah, that touchdown pass against the 49ers, that touchdown pass against the Colts. But for every great play he makes, he makes one. He makes a couple terrible plays. There's a couple terrible interceptions. And he just cannot do that anymore. He just can't do that if he wants to be a franchise quarterback. And this year is, 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 is going to be proof of it. Uh, and I think for the Panthers, what I think this year is, I'm saying around eight or nine wins. I think they'll be very, very close to that 17 seed. I think they just missed the playoffs, but Darnold does enough to stay there for, for, uh, to stay there the next season. I think Darnold does enough to, for him to be able to stay where the Panthers don't draft a quarterback. So I think the Panthers are in that eight with the 17th game. They're in that eight, nine win range. And, 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 and don't forget that 17th game is against the Texans. So they're probably going to win that 17th game. So I think they're in that eight and eight and nine, nine and eight range. The Panthers at five, they're around 500. With Sam Darnold, but I think they just miss a playoff spot. But I think they, but I do think they very easily could get a playoff spot with Sam Darnold. So they're, they're definitely they're definitely on that playoff bubble, in my opinion, with Sam Darnold. But Sam Darnold's, they, but they have to be there, or Sam Darnold will not be a franchise quarterback in this league. He'll be a he'll be he'll be a, he'll 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 be a backup if they're not in playoff contention this year. Yeah, I, I definitely could see that because yeah, because yeah, he's going to get twenty five million. You know, it's. Yeah, it'd be like $25 million. And if he's an average, below average quarterback, you ain't, you're not paying that nowadays. Oh, if if, he, know, if, he, if, they, if the Panthers choose to have him as their franchise quarterback, he's getting at least, at least $30 million, At least $30 million. The market's at $40 million right now. He's getting at least 30 to $35 million if the Panthers, a year if the Panthers choose to make him their franchise quarterback. Yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah, he would want, yeah, probably around $30 million, which, yeah, and he, yeah, so – you, you know, you would have to want to, yeah, you're going to have to pay your franchise, you know, if he's good enough, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll give him the money, but yeah, it's a, it's a huge year for him. I, and I, I think, I think he's going to do, you know, I, I think he'll do fine. You know, look, you know, Ryan Tannehill's done it at Tennessee. 
he's got a great running back too now in CMC, and it, that's really helped Brian Tannehill out. Uh, you know, Joe Brady's a great offensive coordinator. I really like Matt Rule. So, yeah, I, I think Sam Darnold's going to be fine. I think, you know, he'll be the franchise quarterback. He also does get to um, – Carolina also plays at, at the Jets this year, so he'll, he'll have his revenge game. Oh yeah, they play. They play the Jets. Do they play? At, I think they they host the Jets. Pretty sure they host the I Jets. Thought, I thought I heard they were. Um, yeah, we'll see. I, th- I, I thought I looked. I thought I read. I thought they host the Jets this year. But they, they oh, play okay. the Jets, so that's going to be fun to see them play the Jets. Either way, it's going to be fun to see them play the Jets. Mm-hmm. Play the Patriots too. Yeah, could hurt you guys. I could. That was a game you probably thought was going to be a win. Now it's kind of mm-hmm. eh, you don't know now. So yeah. that, that could end up hurting you guys. There, you did get. You did get that. You did. Did you get Dallas out of the schedule though? So yeah. you got that. You probably got that extra win. So. So, all right, you, may, you picked up a win and maybe a loss, you know, in the last two yeah, weeks. We'll, Bill, we'll see what Bill ends up happening. To, Bill knows how to shut down uh, Sam Darnold. Oh, yeah, Sam Darnold has struggled to eat against Bill. The Patriots have yeah. struggled uh, the last year and a half, but they've definitely had success against Sam Darnold. There's no question about that. But now seeing the Panthers have the number eight pick and they're probably not going to take a quarterback, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with that number eight pick. And, and I think it, it comes down to two positions. I think it comes down to tackle and it comes down to corner because those are the biggest positions of, of need. And I think – but I think the the better players are at tackle. If Penny Sewell falls to them at eight, I think they take Penny Sewell. I think they got to take Penny Sewell if he falls to them at eight. I think I think Penny. I, I still think the Bengals are going to take Penny Sewell at five. So I think they're going to go Rashawn Slater out of a Northwestern. I think he's that's going to be the pick at number eight. I think they I think they take him. But you could also see them taking a Patrick Sertan or a Jace Horn at the in that spot too. So now that they have now that the Panthers have their quarterback, they think is going to be their their, their future franchise quarterback now. You could see – I know it's going to be interesting to see what they do in the draft, but I, I'm going with Rashawn Slater because I, because I think Penny Sewell is going to be gone by then. I'm going with um, – I'm actually going to go offense, offensive side of the ball. I'm going to say they can get Jalen Waddle. I think now they add Sam oh, wow. Arnold. I think they add a third weapon for him. Um, and I – because, you know, they, they made a ton of defense draft. All of their picks last year, all 11, were all defensive side of the ball. So, yeah, you know, they need a tackle or a um, – or somebody, another guy in the secondary. But I, I think they go with another wide receiver here. The way Waddle played, even Sam Darnold, like another another big threat here um, with, with Brady, I, I think that would kind of be a fun combo. So I, I think Carolina is going to go with Jalen Waddle, who had a, a credible year this year at Alabama. I think I could see that because you know how the game's trending now. You know, if you, the more weapons you have, the better you, the better you, the better you could be as a quarterback. But I just think with the time Sam Darnold has missed and the injuries he has had. I still think that, I think they got to take another tackle. I know I know they signed they signed one of their tackles uh, long term this off season, but I think they got to take a tackle. I, I and I know I know you're going to say you know I'm not the biggest O line guy, but yeah. I, I think I think I think it's got to be a tackle just because you, you, your quarterback has missed has missed games. Sam Darnold has missed games, and 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 I think uh, the best thing to do because you do have two you have a, you have two good receivers in DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, so. And, and, and Christian McCaffrey is the best receiving running back in the league. The way he runs outside of second Alvin Kamara, but the way McCaffrey runs routes is outstanding. So, I I, th- I think you go tackle there. I think I think you do, and you, and you build that offensive line. That's where I would go at number eight. But it'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I could definitely see him go tackle too. With you know, yeah, with the you know with Sam Darnold, yeah, missing some games. Then you got that great Tampa Bay pass rush you got to face. Even New Orleans got a good pass rush. So. Yeah, you know, to try to keep them healthy, you definitely need to bulk up that offensive line. So I, I could see them going there. I think that, you know, there, there's some spots, there's a lot where Carolina could potentially go and draft in a few weeks. Absolutely, absolutely. It'd be very interesting to see what they do. So, yeah, now that Darnold is there. But 
we we got to go on to college basketball. I know Hector's been waiting for this because his Baylor Bears <laughs> won the national championship. So I hopefully Hector's listening. He's even waiting because I told him we'd be talking about this. So I know we had to we had to delay it a little bit because of the Sam Darnold news. But Baylor on Monday night, complete domination of that national championship game. Just just phenomenal. He was. I mean he. I mean he, I mean uh, Baylor was great. Jared Butler was great. Teague was great. Uh, Mitchell was great too. Their guard play was great. They even out rebounded Gonzaga, which was the biggest surprise in that game. Uh, they 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 shot the ball really well. They shot the ball well all, all all final four. Jared Butler was great all final four. He was the best player in the final four. And for Gonzaga, uh, I just think you know they 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 didn't really they kind of didn't they didn't impress me in the final four. That that game against UCLA, I thought you know I thought they were going to beat UCLA pretty good. You know, defensively they allowed UCLA to get 81 points. Yeah, you know, all respect to UCLA, they played a great game. Mick Corona had a great run in the tournament, but um, UCLA was, in my opinion, was lucky to be in the in that spot in the Final Four, and that and that and that was a that was a real it was a great game. But I think that was a bad omen for Gonzaga that that was a game because that showed that they had trouble guarding and it really hurt against against Baylor. And it was an uphill climb from the beginning in this national championship game. They got down 11 to one early. Uh, down they did get the lead. They did play them even for, for for the rest of the first half. They were only down by 10. Then they did cut they did have the lead down to nine, but Baylor had that nine two run. It's pretty much closed out the game. And with 13 with 12, 13 minutes to go, this one was over. Baylor ran away with this. And uh and, and they and they and Scott Drew who's done a phenomenal job. We know the story when he got there. You probably know the story very well how the old the previous coach covered up a murder and uh, the, and uh, uh, it was a terrible thing. There was a scandal, and what Scott Drew has done with this Baylor program has been absolutely phenomenal. J- Jim Nance, Jim Nance said it perfectly in his in his in his, in his call at the end of the game. Uh, the 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 the, the, the biggest rebound in college basketball, and uh, it sure was. I mean, this Baylor program was a disaster when Scott Drew got there, but now they are standing here as national champions. And and Hector probably knows because I don't know if Hector was living out in Texas in those days, but he probably know he probably is aware of the of what was it, the way of how far Baylor has came too. So it's it's amazing how far this program has come and I'm really really happy for Scott Drew that now he has a national championship. Yeah, you know, he's done an incredible job with that program and you know, it's something you don't see too much in college basketball anymore is 80s giving their guys time now, you know. You see guys being Throwing, you know, two, three years they get and they're gone. And it's something to turn around. But Baylor, you know, waited. They they figured they, they liked Scott Drew, so they gave him all the time. And, you know, look, it's been there 18 years, but he's, he's gotten it done. And this is a powerhouse. And I think Mark Few said it on Sunday. I think he's, you know, he called Baylor powerhouse, and they have been. Um, so, yeah, such an incredible job there. For the game, yeah, it was – I think Gonzaga was kind of stunned right from the beginning – of the tip of just how big, fast, strong um, that Baylor team was, and Scott Drew had a great game plan. Um, every time on D, he just he tried to iso out Timmy and Kispert, and just tried to beat them one on one. Absolutely dominated them off the offensive glass. Gonzaga, and then on defense end for Baylor, Gonzaga loves to beat you off the dribble. They took that away. Gonzaga could not do that, and you saw Gonzaga really struggled for a while offensively in the half court and. Really, they're, you know, and so I thought it was a great game plan by them, but they're just more physical, faster, stronger. It, look, a heck of a year for Gonzaga, but I think just and me and Jason were talking about before the show, I think Gonzaga, it got to a point where they could not win with just five guys. You know, they, you know, they, they didn't really have much set because Baylor had Flagger and Meyer and Jonathan Chichuaya. I, you know, yeah, I still can't say that guy's name, but Baylor, um, you know, 
heck of a run. I think first time since Villanova did it in 2016 where they beat both teams in the Final Four by at least 15 points. So incredible job. Um, unfortunately, I, I was so excited for this game, but Baylor just overmatched them. And I was worried, too, going after Saturday night's game. The way Gonzaga just, you know, really struggled against UCLA, and they got whatever they wanted, the Bruins. And Baylor really saw that and, and took advantage of that because they did whatever they wanted to. And they got out to a fast start, too. They five for five from three. They could not miss in the beginning. So, yeah, you know, I feel bad for Mark Fiat's champ for him. I, it's a guy that I, I want to see win a title, but come up short. Here, here, here's the deal, though, for Mark Few. Get out of that WCC. Get out of the West Coast well, Conference. You have, to get out of that, you have to get out of the conference. How can't they get out of the conference? Well, this is the thing. The only one they could really join is the Big East, but I don't think they'd do that. That's too far of a trip. Too, yeah, yeah, too far of a trip. And Pac-12 is not going to take them because it's all about football, money. Yeah. I know, I know they can't get they, they, yeah, yeah, they can't. They can't. And that's, what, that's what's football. awful for them. Yeah. And I think it hurts them. And that's why I thought, yeah. you know, unfortunately – they were. They, I thought they. They're, they're obviously their record is never. They're never as good as their record any year. Okay, they were not a thirty-one and zero team. This was not. A th- I'm sorry. This was not a thirty-one and zero basketball team. This was not the Kentucky team of 2015. I'm sorry. I mean, Jalen Suggs is a great. Is a really good freshman. I mean, Kisper and uh, Timmy are nice players. But I'm sorry, this was not the Kentucky team of 2015. I, I don't, don't want to hear about that. I don't want to hear that. I'm. I mean, they got. Dest- they got destroyed. They got destroyed in that game. They. they, they that game wasn't. I and mean, it was close for a little bit. A little while. They got it to down to nine. But they didn't look like. An, they were not an undefeated team. And they didn't look like an undefeated team against UCLA. I think. And, and there's my opinion. It's not their fault. They got to play the schedule they play, or they're in the conference they're in. But they just were not as good as their record. I thought they were overrated. I, they, they didn't guard. They were not a good defense. They were not a great defensive team. I mean, even if you look at some of their wins, they got some of the, some of their big wins against Iowa. They gave up 88 points. Uh, Kansas, they gave up 90 points. Uh, West Virginia, I think they gave up over 80 points too. In the games they won against great, really good teams, they gave up a bunch of points. So I have to, I have to, and, and I was a, I thought last week Gonzaga was a great team. This week they did. They showed me that they were. I'm sorry. They showed me they were overrated. The game against UCLA. That's that's a that's a number eleven C. Uh, no no disrespect. That's a number eleven C that barely got into the NCAA tournament. That had a great run, but I mean they gave up 81 points to them, and they and they were very lucky. They they were very lucky they didn't lose that game. And then on Monday night they just they couldn't guard Baylor at all. They tried playing zone. They tried playing man. They had no answer. They could they couldn't guard them at all. So I I do think Gonzaga w- was a little overrated, and I don't think they were as good as a record. We got you, Justin. Yeah, I'm back. Um, sort of the sense of Gonzaga was a overrated in the sense that they were not the best team in the country. They were depth to me. They're the second best team in the country. Uh, I probably but, would say with know, Isaiah. I had to they say had with, nine quad one wins. I know, so. I know, but, but I'd say with Isaiah Livers, if Isaiah Livers is healthy for Michigan, I'd probably say they're the third best team in the country because I think if Livers is healthy, Michigan gets by UCLA. And I think Michigan beats Gonzaga. I'm sorry. I think they're the third. I honestly, I think they're the third best. They were at, at best the third best team in the country. And you could argue Illinois might have been better than them too. They, Gonzaga did beat Illinois though. I know it's back in December, but Gonzaga did beat Illinois. And get get Jalen Suggs did not play most of that game too with a with an Achilles injury. And I they, they I think it was an eight or ten point win. But it, but Gonzaga was in control from the opening tip. Like it all right, so really all right. I'll, I'll, I'll say I'll say third best team in the country then. Michigan would have been a tough matchup with um with Livers on Timmy. That that would have been a tough matchup for Gonzaga defensively. I think that would have probably been another shootout. 
it's cool. I, I'd still probably take Gonzaga by a few. Look, I, you know, I, I don't think this team's overrated. Uh, look, it stinks that they play in the WCC. I wish they could play in the Pac-12. They don't have a conference. You know, they don't have football. And I don't think football is coming anytime soon to Gonzaga, unfortunately. Well, that's what they need to do. Gonzaga needs to try to get a foot. I know, you know, they, you know they could be terrible. They need to try to get some sort of a football program. That's got to be the goal for Gonzaga. Get a football program. Because if they're going to keep playing in, the, in this terrible conference, once it gets to tournament time or once it gets to Final Four time, they're never going to win a national championship. They're never going to win a national I know they were close that one year against North Carolina, but they're never going to win a national championship if they keep playing in this garbage conference. They need to get. They need to find find a way to get some sort of a football program. I know it's brutal to get a football program. They'd be absolutely terrible to recruit to recruit you know football players to play at Gonzaga. It's, it's hard enough recruiting in Washington State anyways to get football play football talent. Imagine trying to recruit for Gonzaga fo- football. I know it'd be a, 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 a team would probably be a joke. But they need to get a, some sort of a football program then to make some sort of revenue that maybe the Pac-12 would consider taking them. Yeah, you know, they would probably have to. Now, because I actually read a very interesting story yesterday. Gonzaga, about 25 years ago, was about to drop the Division Three, And the AD kind of said, look, give us one more year. And they made that at first Elite Eight run with um, oh my God, uh, Dan, Ma- uh, Dan Mason. Yes, yes, that's a name. I, we all, we, I mean, UConn run. fans all remember their Elite Eight run because we know where that run ended for, for UConn. Yeah. We all know what I mean for Gonzaga. We all know who beat Gonzaga yeah. in the Elite Eight that year. Yep. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, they were about to go to D3, or they were thinking about it. And so, like, that's that, that too. Like, they were about to go D3. You know, like, that was their final straw. That Elite Eight run saved the program. So, I don't know what the budget is still now. But it's tough to just start a football program and just go to the Pac-12. You know, I, you can say what you want about the Pac-12, but still, it's a power six time. They're probably going to have to start the FCS level and build, build their way up. And it, it'd be a tough thing. Yeah, it would probably be best for the basketball program, but, you know, it, it's tough to do that. Um, but, look, it, it – you know, he tried to schedule all he can outside. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. You saw you saw their early season games too against Virginia, against uh, against uh, Illinois, against West Virginia, against against uh, against Baylor. Iowa. Yeah, they're supposed to play Baylor. So yeah, a few does a great job trying to schedule to prepare prepare the teams for it. But I think the problem is is during conference play, it's hard when you're playing a bunch of teams you're much better than. Then you got to go into the NCAA tournament. And try and, and try to win in the NCAA tournament. I just think that's really really hard. You saw this with the UConn women when they were when they were in the AAC. Yeah. I think a big reason why they kept losing and keep losing in the national semifinal is they play. They've always played in a weaker like especially the AAC, the AAC was much weaker than like the ACC when they would have to play Notre Dame in those semifinal games. Notre Dame is battle tested all year. They would always beat Notre Dame, you know, during the early in the season in December, but they'd always lose to Notre Dame in the final four because I feel like Notre Dame is battle tested. I even think that was the case this year, you know. With with Arizona being in the Pac-12 was a better league than the, than the Big East in, in women's basketball. So I think it's hurt the UConn women playing in a, a, a bad conference. And I think it, it event it's it's definitely hurt Gonzaga in March playing in this conference. No, you're definitely right because I know Gino too. Gino still tries to schedule games in January, February. He tries to schedule non-conference. But it does. I, sometimes I feel like it doesn't help when you play these non-conference games in December. Then you're playing. Then you go to playing teams from January to March that you're much better than. It's hard when you get to a Final Four, you get to you get get deep in a tournament to win those games because you're not battle tested. And these teams that are battle tested, 
they had, it, 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 it's easier for them because they've been in these tough situations where a team like Gonzaga or the UConn women are just never really in these tough situations until they get to the Final Four. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Yeah, you know, he scheduled Yeah, They had eight or nine quad one wins. But, yeah, it's all just November and December. And, yeah, you, you get to January, February. Teams don't really like to. Like, Kansas doesn't want to play. Well, I guess Kansas played UTEP, but it's, you know. But Kansas doesn't want to play Gonzaga in January and February, you know. Like, it's so it's tough. And it's like he's just got to, you know. Again, you know, his best hope is BYU's a consistent program. Obviously, not a powerhouse, but again, you gotta hope they just continue to build to be like a top twenty-five team. And it's, it's St. Mary's under um, Coach Bennett's always solid. You know, this year they're young, but you know, those two teams are about the only ones that are in some sort, you know, competitive level at times with Gonzaga. And it, yeah, it's it's tough, and they take care of business. You know. They really maybe for a half they have a sleeper, but then they they come out and they throttle so throttle you in the second half, you know. And I remember watching him play Virginia, and I have never seen anybody any team just absolutely destroy that defense. Yeah, you were Everybody so high. Yeah, you were so high on them after that game, and I yeah. like Gonzaga in this game because of their size. But the problem was is they got completely out rebounded. You know when they were getting out rebounded, they were in big trouble because that was the one advantage they had on Baylor. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And, you know, ba- ba- Baylor, that, that is a football team. That's eight guys that should be playing football, you know. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely, yeah. And a basketball floor. So, yeah, yeah. And they just they just haven't faced a, a, um, a team like that. And, yeah, you have to, and that's, that's the thing. It's just they don't face that. And, look, I, I think if they play Barrel back December, because it actually was four months to the day they were supposed to play on a Monday, Baylor probably would have beat them, you know. And oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They're, Baylor's clearly the better team. They play, yeah. you know, 10 times. They win at least eight, in my opinion. Yeah, I think they'd win seven or eight. Look, and I, I think it would have been a closer game if they did play back on December 5th. Gonzaga would have seen them, and Gonzaga wouldn't have been as shocked as they were, I, I feel like, of how just how uh, strong um, Baylor was in that game. So, yeah, it, it's it's definitely one of those things with Zaga. They just have to kind of deal with it and just schedule as many top quality opponents as you can and try to get a big time non conference um, tournament in because that's all he can really do and just hope that BYU and St. Mary's, you know, are like top 25 teams where they can somewhat put up a fight against you. Obviously, it's not going to be something to like a Kansas or like, you know, but at least it's something and just. It's just because football is not coming. I, I hate I hate to say it. I would I you know because yeah I want Gonzaga to win. I you know I want Mark Fuse. He's, he's a great guy. He's a great coach, and he deserves to win one. But yeah, it's you know it made the great point with UConn basketball. UConn won basketball. It's they blow out everybody by seventy, and they get in the tight game, and it's they just don't know how to finish the job. It's kind of the you know same thing anxiety. They just get punched in the mouth, and they really. Haven't gotten like that, and Baylor's just too good for them not to be able to rally. Uh, yep, yep, you're you're right about that. A- absolutely, absolutely. So I was listening to Keys in the City yesterday, and they they were telling us to give a grade on March Madness and, and, and overall. And let's just say, with all the COVID issues this year, we're, we were so lucky to have March Madness because we knew how it felt last year not to have March Madness, not to have this. It was it was it was a terrible feeling for all of us not to have March Madness last year. So it was great to have it back. So my overall grade is at least in that A range. I'm going to say my grade is, is an A minus. And here's my reason why it's an A minus. I think why I don't have it as, as an A or an A plus. I think there were a little bit, there were too many upsets. 
I think there were, there were you like having one or two upsets, but there were too too many upsets in my opinion. And the national championship game wasn't as good as I thought. So my overall grade for this tournament is is an A is an A minus. But credit to to uh, to to, uh, to well, Dan Gavitt's his name, right? The guy yeah, who runs yeah. it. Credit to Dan Gavitt that because Dave's his dad who started the Big East. So credit to Dan Gavitt for putting this tournament together, getting it all together in Indianapolis. They did an outstanding job. And and let's just say, out of, uh, the four major sports got crowned a champion, and the two college sports crowned a champion. So. You you know things are getting better when you get all six all, all six uh, the four major sports leagues and the two biggest co- college basketball and college football all crowning national champions. So that so that's a great so things are getting better. Things are looking up for us. Things are looking up for, for us right now. And hopefully, you know, we can get back to nor get back to we're, getting, we're starting to get a semblance of normalcy. But hopefully, we get back to th- get things back to. Uh, getting completely back to normal as soon as possible, but just but overall, really good job, a great job by the tournament. I give it an A minus. Justin, what's your grade? Yeah, I'll give it an A minus. I, I, you know, I again, I thought it was a great amount of upsets. I, you know, that you enjoyed. Thing, yeah, you know, look, old Roberts at the team seat should have won another one. But um, for me, it was you know those first few days, the first second round were great, and then it was like the Sweet Sixteen Elite Eight. Most of those games are bust, and then yeah, unfortunately for the national championship game. Wasn't as great, but I, I, you know, and it was unfortunate how great that Gonzaga UCLA game was. Oh, that that that, that was a great game, yeah. but it ended up being a really bad omen for Gonzaga because they yeah. couldn't guard UCLA. And you know, if they were getting up over eighty points to UCLA, they probably were going to get up over eighty points to Baylor. So, as great of a game as it was, I felt like Gonzaga. As I said, Gonzaga is not as good as people think, and they proved that in the national title game. It was a great game at the UCLA. I mean, the buzzer beater, national semifinal. But I wish we had a great championship game after mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I know. I, I wish too, and I thought we were, and we didn't, you know. But again, two years ago, nobody thought Texas Tech Virginia was a be great game, and that turned into a fabulous game. Oh, it was that an was awesome great. game. Yeah, that was a great game. Went to overtime. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just one of those things. But yeah, so I look, it, it was great to have it back because, yeah, last year at this time, I was watching like the 99 run, the 04 run. Yeah, especially somebody like run. you who absolutely, yeah. no, there's no one I know more who loves college basketball more than you. Yeah. So that must have been so hard for you last year not to have college basketball. Yeah, no, this I, tournament. I this is like your this is like your favorite yeah. time of year. Oh, it's my yeah, my favorite three weeks of the year are all the yeah, you know. Yeah, because I was watching like the streamers, you know, make their own tournament last year. Like that that's <laughs> what I resorted to. I didn't know what to do without that last year. So yeah, it was great to have it back, you know. Again, something now, you know, I, I will never take for granted to not have it, you know, that I'm gonna, you know, you know, always just always, you know, be so appreciative of, of the NCAA tournament. So yeah, yeah, hopefully, you know. Um, but, yeah, it was great. Besides, you know, the one slip-up with VCU, it, every game was played, and it, it was great. You know, they had no positive tests, I don't think, after VCU, too. So, it was great. Absolutely, absolutely. And we'll be looking forward to March Madness next year. But we got to talk about some coaching changes in college basketball. And, you know, after um, a ton of years at Kansas and I've, and 18 years at North Carolina – uh, Roy Williams announced his retirement. I know you're not the you're not the biggest fan of him, but he is an outstanding head coach. You cannot deny that. I mean, got Kansas to the national championship game in 1991 and in 2003. Those were both losses, and he got Carolina to four national championship games, three wins, 2005 when he had uh, when he had Raymond Felton and uh, when and, Sh- and Sean May in a uh, 2000 and uh, in nine with Ty Lawson, Danny Green, and probably one of the greatest North Carolina players ever, one of the greatest college basketball players ever in Tyler Hansborough in 2009. Probably one of the great, I think, in my opinion, that 2009 North Carolina team, 
best college basketball team I think I've ever seen. I think I think because we're we're, we're lucky that you, we're in a way we're probably happy UConn lost to Michigan State in that in that national semifinal because they're not winning that national title game against UNC guaranteed. That would have been Calhoun's yeah. only national championship loss if they if they would have lost that game. Uh, if they Dyson, would have, Dyson was out. Dyson was out. Yeah, no, Dyson. I'm saying they had Dyson healthy. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe it would have been UConn North. Maybe, maybe they would. Calhoun would have outcoached Roy. Yeah, that would have been that would have been the difference. That would have been the difference. We all know Calhoun's a better coach than Roy. We, we know that. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. And then obviously got to the 2016 title game, one of the loss of the buzzer, and then rebounded in 17 and won the national championship to get his third national title. So he's one of the top. I don't. No matter what you think of him, he's one of the top coaches in college basketball. Great recruiter, great coach. I'm saying that to you because you're a doubter of Roy Williams, but great coach and. He definitely be missed, and obviously, I, I and I and I thought and I and I predicted his replacement. I said Herbert Davis would be his replacement, an assistant there for nine years, and he's going to be the replacement. He played at North Carolina. I think I think he's a really good successor to Roy, to, uh, Roy Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know my opinion. I'm I'm not going to bash him today. I, I feel like it's not the right thing to do. To you know, I, I think we should be kind of honoring of what he did. You know, only coach ever to win 400 games at two programs. You know. To take over two programs like Kansas, North Carolina, I don't think we're going to see somebody ever do that again. Um, yeah, you know, won a couple Final Fours. Again, he, I, you know, there's just there's too many draft picks that count, you know, for that that have played under him in college. There's just there's just so many guys that have made it to the next level under him. Um, and he's yeah, he, you know, he's a fabulous recruiter, you know. Um, he, you know, again, it helps to be at North Carolina in Kansas, but he can always sell it. Um, he can always sell those programs. He does a great job with that. He's, he's been phenomenal. You know, I, again, if for, you know, he's 29 and one in the first round. And of course, he won the last game this year to, just to Wisconsin. You know, he, he's made some runs at the tournament. He's kind of a guy that usually avoids the upsets, but um, you kind of felt like the last few years, you kind of see it. He just, you know, I think it was maybe last year. He, I think he like fell over one of the. You know, he fell over in the game. Like he just was not the same. Um, it, it takes a lot out of you coaching, but yeah, he, he's done a fabulous job. Um, I, I know I bashed him, but you know, I'm gonna stay away from that today. He's done a great job at his alma mater. Um, it, again, because you know, 2000 to 2003, it was kind of down. They got rid of Matt Doherty, and it was kind of like obviously you know, North Carolina. I feel like, in my opinion, is the best program in college basketball. I feel it's the best job. And he had a pretty quick turnaround. You know, he kind of brought them. Yeah, because they were because they were they were terrible in like two thousand two. They were two thousand two two thousand three. They were terrible, yeah. and they turned them around. Two thousand four, they were a good team on a great team, and then two thousand five, he wins the national title. Yeah, yeah, it, it was a really quick turnaround, and I, I give him credit for that. You know, um, yeah, because yeah, they may have had eleven or twelve wins like in the back in 03. and he turned it around pretty quickly. He did a great job, and um, he won that. I think them. Yeah, the third most wins in um uh, college history. I think so. I, I think so. Yeah, I'm not. I haven't looked at it, but I think so. Yeah. Yeah, somewhere right around there. So yeah, incredible uh, job by Roy Williams and his long career. I think now 46 years of coaching. So you know he was assistant back when Michael Jordan played in North Carolina for a long time. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, he's a Carolina lifer. Yeah, he was a he did coach at Kansas, but he's a Carolina lifer. Was on Dean Smith's staff. Was on that. Was on the staff when they won that national title in in uh, 19, 1982, and when Jordan hit the big shot uh, against Georgetown. So he's like he's a Carolina lifer, and he got to coach 
at, at, at the school that that he that he that he that he, I think he played. Did he play at Carolina? Yeah, he played. He could get the coach at the school that he played at. And I remember after the, the Kansas lost that national title, title game in uh get to uh Syracuse, they asked him about the Carolina job, and this is where they like him at Kansas. He said, "I I'm not going to say the word, but he said like I don't care. I I I I could care less about North Carolina right now. I got 13 guys in that locker room that I love, and I think Kansas Kansas liked him for that, even though he went to North Carolina." He did. He did. He didn't talk about that job in that interview. He he went. He got on Barney Bernstein for that. So I'll always remember that after that national title game when he when he when he said that. I forgot he said that. I give Rory Lyon credit for that. You know, yeah. Because at that time, I look. I know I wasn't around, but yeah, I, I I assume they all everybody knew he was going to North Carolina. So yeah, oh yeah, that yeah. job was open. You know, yeah. He he had, he had he had played there. He had coached there. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I get. You know, I I gave him credit for that. You know, that's. You know, to try to keep that team intact and get them all the way with that job open. Probably all the, everybody knew he, he was going to go North Carolina the minute this thing was done. His season over. So, yeah, you know, um, I, I'll, I'll that actually because I know you mentioned Herbert Davis. I kind of like the high. I don't know because look, everybody never has Juan Howard, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he doesn't have any experience either. Yeah, yeah. It's everyone wants to go to Juan Howard route. And the thing, John Howard, I'm not trying to take anything away from his coaching skills. Oh, uh, uh, his coaching was not great in that league. It was not game. great, yes. I kind of, you know, moved down the scale a little bit. But he's got a great staff around him. I don't know how, if he's retaining this whole North Carolina staff or what. But, look, at North Carolina, it doesn't matter about, you know, it only matters about the X's and O's because you're going to recruit. You're going to get kids that want to play North Carolina. It's all about the X's and O's, and that's what it comes down to at North Carolina. And if he's great at that, North Carolina is going to – you know, being Final Fours every year and play for national championships. If not, you know, maybe Sweet 16, you know, second round, you know, who knows, somewhere around there. And that's not great expectations at North Carolina. So we'll see how great he is at X's and O's. But, again, this is, you know, I, I think, you know, I think it's the best job Kyle basketball to have I, with all the history. You know, again, they, they stayed in house since, like, 1951. It's um, crazy because they, yeah. they went from uh, Dean Smith to Bill, Go- to Bill Guthridge. Because Guthridge yep. got him to two Final Fours, to Matt Doherty, to uh, to Roy Williams. So, yeah, they've always stayed in house. Yeah, they went a little bit outside when uh, they got Roy Williams. He was at Kansas, but still, they stayed in house with all Carolina guys, and now they stick yeah. with stick with another Carolina guy. Yeah, so they they love those ties, and you know, it, it for the most part it's paid off. It's at Doherty, the yeah. only one that really hasn't paid off. So because Guthridge uh, got him to two Final Fours, even though he was yeah. he was a long time, and then he retired. Yeah, 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 because yeah, he was, yeah, you know, last year after. Um, yeah, and they got Dory in 2000. But, yeah, you know, um, so we'll see. I thought they were going to – yeah, it was going to be there. him or West Miller down at uh, Greensboro because he did play for um, – he was there from 04 to 07. He played for the Tigers. So I thought maybe they'd go him, but they went – you know, they stayed in-house they went with Herbert Davis. So we'll see. See how it pans out for the Tigers. Absolutely, absolutely. But we got to talk about two other coaches and, and Big 12 – two other Big 12 – two Big 12 teams getting two new coaches. And one went from one Texas school to the other – and that was your guy, Chris Beard. I was wondering what you thought about this. Have you lost some respect for Chris Beard after this? No, because I knew the minute Chaka left, I knew it was Chris Beard. You know, that's where he, he was a GA there, your grad assistant. Um, now, he was with Bobby Knight at Texas Tech for 10 years. So I thought maybe he stays around, you know. Because Texas Tech but, has got to a national, he got to a national title yeah. game at Texas Tech. I think they're almost as good of a program as Texas. Yeah, yeah Texas has been to one Final Four. You know, Baylor's the second team ever in Texas to win a title, which is crazy. <laughs> besides that Texas Western team back in uh, 66. Um, now that now they're Utah, but it's 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 you know, so I, I wasn't it, I wasn't shocked. Um, but look, 
Texas has high, high expectations. And I know they like Chris Beard. They're all for it. I love that now they, oh, this rivalry really set, uh, spices up with Kirby um, or Kai or whatever the AD of Texas Tech is. He's not not very happy he's going to give uh, Chris Beard the lifetime deal or, you know, lifetime contract. So I'm excited to see kind of what he can do at Texas. Uh, look, you know, it, it's crazy they've been to one Final Four. It, it, to me, it's just stunning. So, yeah, 2003. Was that yeah. one? No, I think it was, no, no, I think Aldridge was gone, but it wasn't there yet. But yeah, 2003, they lost yeah. to Syracuse. Yeah, and everybody thought they were going to win it with Durant. They never did. They think that DJ Augustine in that team too. DJ Augustine um, in in 08, yeah, DJ Augustine, Lamarcus Aldridge in 06 lost to uh, lost to LSU in the uh, in the elite, in the Elite Eight. So they've been close a lot, but only been in one Final Four. Yeah, so I, I think it's I think it's going to be up here for. Um, Chris Beard, he, he's got a, you know, he's already hired two or three coaches too from, uh, you know, they say he took one of Kansas assistants away. The UTEP head coach is leaving to go be an assistant coach at Texas Tech. So he, he's, you know, he's paying the assistants a lot of money too to come help him out. So I, I think it's going to be great for Texas. Um, I, I think Shaka, when he left, knew the writing on the wall. I, he was going to get fired the next year. Um, so I'm excited to kind of see what he does at Texas. You know, I, I think this is his dream job. You know, I believe he's from the state of Texas too. So we'll see. I'm, I'm excited. And because Texas, yeah, it's, you know, this is a year to get back to the final four for him, but to kind of, you know, they, they should, you know, with all the resources Texas has, they should be a top 10 team every year. They should be winning national titles. They, you know, there, there's no excuse why they should, they, they've only been in one final four. There's no excuses for it. It's Texas. You know, they, they have all the resources in the world. I know it's a football school, but still, they, they have everything. So I'm excited to what he, what, he, uh, what he does at Texas. Absolutely. Another coach, you were probably really high on Oklahoma's coach now with Porter Mosier going there. So you'd probably be really high on Oklahoma. You, you're a big Porter Mosier guy. Yeah, I am. Um, again, Lon Kruger, heck of a coach, heck of a career. He's actually going to go help out his son that just got the UNLV guy. He's going to be like a consultant, you know, something along the lines like that. It's going to be like an unpaid assistant. But, um, yeah, I'm excited. You know, Oklahoma, it's another football school. It's not not a ton of rich basketball history, and I think it could be a good spot for Porter Mosier. It's a it's a Oklahoma too. Um their last like five years, the recruiting class they've had is 58, 90, 25, 121, and um 23 when they got like Trey Young. So it's like they don't kill it in recruiting, and that's kind of Porter Mosier's thing is development. You know, you saw it with Cameron Crookwood. You saw it, you know, with Lucas Williamson. It's guy he gets seniors that just develop. It'll be interesting how it translates in the Big 12 here because there's so many great teams. You know, it's, you know, I think TCU could be on the rise. You know, again, I think Kansas State was so young last year. They'll be better. Iowa State, you know, we'll we'll, we'll find out. But I, I do like this. I was just a little bit surprised. He's a Chicago guy, so I thought maybe DePaul would be able to try to snatch him away, but. Going to Oklahoma, he's been in the Midwest all of his life. I think he played at Creighton. Uh, he's been in a bunch of jobs around, you know, the Midwest. So um, he's got ties around here. So I, I'm excited to see what he can do at Oklahoma. This that you know for basketball, I don't you know the expectations aren't crazy for Oklahoma basketball. So as long as he gets these guys to tournaments, what I think he will, I think the fan base is, is going to be fine with it. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what he does there. And there's one movie you probably like, Arizona Fired Sean Miller. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that guy, is he, he, cheated, he cheated a couple of years ago, got away with it, but now I finally they've, they've, they've wised up and fired him. 
Yeah, it's a complete joke. Um, they were talking about extension a few weeks ago, but I don't know. So, again, something happened overnight. Um, they should have fired him three, four years ago. Arizona is such a great school. you know. Um, such a great tradition, too. Coach yeah. Lute Lou Olson, yeah, great tradition. Yeah, you know, and they haven't been, you know, Sean Miller did nothing for the, you know. Yeah, they got to a couple of elite eights, but that's a program that, 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 that should be a program that's going um, final four. The last three years, he's won 60% of his games. First, you know, first they were never the same when they got upset after, after they got upset with Aiton and Aiton's uh Aiton's yeah. freshman year. They've never been the same after that, in my opinion. No, they haven't. It, it's still bothering them. Now, last year they were 21 11, so they probably would have got into the tournament. But yeah, the last three years they haven't been to one. Um, it, it, you're right, it, it's completely destroyed them. Um, he should have been fired the moment that wiretap came out about DeAndre. And there is no excuses why Arizona could do much better than Sean Miller. I feel like I don't. You know, yeah, he's a great recruiter, but again, he's another guy that I don't he's not a great X's and O's guy. He, he really he never has. March of March, he struggled in the tournament. So, uh, you know, again, it took Arizona too long to do this, but it, it's about time. And hopefully Will Wade's next and obviously Bill, Bill Self isn't going anywhere. But at least there's some progress progress to this because last one, too, they got handed like five level one um, allegations with the highest level for it. So should have been fired a month ago. But good for Arizona. Well, this is finally for Arizona that they, they got rid of this guy because he deserves. He does not deserve that job. And and if you told me a month ago his brother would Archie Miller would be out of the job before Sean would, I probably would have said you're crazy. But you know they're both gone now. But um, absolutely ridiculous it took that long. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. So Major League Baseball did something very, very progressive, and we'll talk about that next. But but now we got a promo from Clovercrest Media Group. I love wiffle ball. No other way to explain it. Just something about the game, the feel of the grass, smacking the ball all over the field. Making plays, diving head first, whatever it takes to get the job done. That's what wiffle ball means to me. Striking out grown men, watching their knees buckle on a call third strike. Set out, bud. And then, of course, the home runs, the base hits, the big, big home runs at the big moments. That's a whiff of greatness. Join us all season long for the Joe Aguirre story, a CMG podcast. And that is a whiff of greatness, the Joe Aguirre story. I'm very excited to see that uh, to see that start up. So I mean, yeah, and it's almost base. It's baseball season right now, so it was very, very good. Good job by Jay's putting that promo in. Very fitting, right there. That we put that promo in of, Joe, of Joe's wiffle ball career. I'm excited for that podcast. But we got to get to baseball. And we first, I bashed Rob Manford a lot. You know that. I've I've been anti Rob Manford. I don't think he should be the commissioner. But he did something on Friday that was out. Well, I probably think I probably think on Friday he did the best thing he ever did as a commissioner, moving the All Star game out of Atlanta. I think I think it's a disgrace that Georgia is is, is limiting limiting voting rights for uh, residents in urban areas. I think it's a disgrace, and I think baseball did absolutely absolutely the right thing, moving the All Star game out of Atlanta. It shows that baseball is progressive. It shows that baseball is aware of these these issues, and I think I think that baseball definitely took a step forward. Getting that All Star game at get out of Atlanta and moving it to Colorado. I'm really, really proud of Major League Baseball for what they did on Friday. 
yeah, you know, it was a good thing. Now, you know, because um, I actually did see last Wednesday kind of come at Manfred here, kind of trying to be, you know, look like baseball is the greatest thing ever. They did sign a deal with China to stream their games over there last Wednesday. Now, like, again, like, it's China, you know, with, you know, with all the bad things that go on out there. Um, again, I think that kind of takes a step back, but yeah, to try to move it, you know, again, I, I think he was kind of, he had to, I think the players were going to, you know, look, yeah, the players are going to boycott, I think. Um, and again, for the all-star game, you, you need your stars there. Um, it's on, it's, you know, it's unfortunate what's going on down there in Georgia. Cause you know, they're going to have like the Hank Aaron kind of ceremony and it, it you know, again, it would have just been great to have it down there in Atlanta, Georgia, you know, where the All-Star game was. But, yeah, you know, baseball did a good thing, you know. And, again, I hope they try to go take a step further, you know, try to actually, like, um, you know, um, like, you know, try to help change things too, not just leave and just forget about it, but at least kind of bring some awareness to it and help out you know i you know i think maybe baseball could you know try to get involved with that maybe but um there's some of the players i don't i don't know but yeah it's um good thing about manford you know and then tony clark too you know like he hasn't come out and said anything though like he, he couldn't even like that's how far i think them and the mpa are just at war with each other because tony clark didn't even come out and support him you know like you you figured there'd be a statement or something by him but they're just they they're just no. Yeah, that's a story for another day. Just but but yeah, but here it's just baseball did a really good job of just being progressive, you know, and it, making making uh, making this decision is a really good decision, and it's and it's growth for the game, it's growth for the popularity, and move, getting the All Star game out of Atlanta because they needed to with this with this with 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 this with the law that was going on, they needed to get it out of there. And I'm very happy for Major League Baseball. Yeah, it's a good thing for Major League Baseball to kind of get it out there. Um, you know, yeah, it's a progressive thing. Um, and, you know, we'll, you know, um, again, they found a spot power pretty quickly. And, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully things change. They can go back to Atlanta a few years. Cause I, I get, you know, I hear that's an absolute beautiful ballpark. So hopefully a few years, you know, Atlanta can get that all-star game back there. Absolutely. Absolutely. But we got to get to some baseball, you know, on the field. We'll talk about one of the stars. Before we get to the Yankees and Red Sox, we'll talk about we'll uh, talk about one of the stars, and that's uh, Fernando Tatis. I mean, he avoided a major injury, dislocated shoulder on the ten day ten day DL, but luckily he won't have surgery. It's really not going to hurt the Padres long term. He's even if he's out like for a couple of weeks or a month, it's baseball. That one player can't carry you, even though how great Tatis Jr. is. One player can't carry you. That's still a really good team. A team with good pitching team with you know with Eric Hosmer and Manny Machado so I still think the Padres are going to be fine I still think they're a playoff team even with this injury yeah I think so too yeah but I, again in that division they should finish in second pretty easily I feel like you know um again obviously yeah they, they're not being the Dodgers are off to a great start but yeah you know thank god you know that it's only you know again that it's not a you know Sounds like it will not be a long-term injury, which, you know, would have been very unfortunate. You know, yeah, he, again, they, you know, you want to see Fernando Tatis be promoted and, and be able to be on the field for this Padres team for such an exciting uh, baseball team with all the stars that they have. So, yeah, I think that it's only, you know, um, you know, it'll probably be out for a couple of weeks, hopefully at the most. Um, and, and, yeah, San Diego has enough to be able to kind of carry this team um, – without Fernando Tatis for however long he's out for. 
Yep, yep. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. But we got it. We got it. We got to get to the Yankees now. We got to get to the Yankees and a a good opening weekend. I mean, yeah, opening weekend was a little bit eh, Mm. one one and two, but they rebounded the last two nights. Last night, Garrett Cole was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, I mean, seven shutout innings, thirteen strikeouts. Uh, He he was absolutely he was great. He proved that he's the best pitcher in baseball. He proved that last night. And and in the last couple of nights, Judge and Stanton have been doing it. You saw Judge get two hits last night, got the three-run homer in the eighth inning. You saw Stanton the other night. Yeah, he's sitting 188, but he had that huge, huge grand slam on Monday night. So the so you know the offense, the offense that struggled, especially in runners in score, with hitting with runners in scoring position, especially on opening day. Opening day, the sixth thing they had runners on base. Seventh thing had bases loaded, one out. And ninth thing they had a chance to win. They had so many chances to win on opening day, and they didn't. They struggled hitting with runners in scoring position on Sunday. They just didn't hit at all. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, you're seeing judge and Stanton, Stanton, you know, even though Stanton's average, obviously his average isn't good, but he's, he's been hitting the ball. He had that big grand slam. Frazier's been hitting the ball. Well, I like to see more to LeMay DJ. I like to see more to Torres. I like to see more out of, out of your shell in the lineup and Jay Bruce for what he's done. Yes. He's hitting 200, but for what Jay Bruce has done, uh, some of the big hits he had, he had the big hit in Saturday and the two run single with two outs against the blue Jays. I was, I was ready to bench Jay Bruce. I didn't understand why he was hitting sick. Then he got that big hit. And then last night he hit a home run too. So Jay Bruce, for some of the big hits he's had, he's done okay. And uh, and for the for the rotation, Montgomery was great on Monday night. Uh, Kluber was good, not great against the against the only one four innings against the against the Blue Jays, but he was decent against the Blue Jays. Uh, and uh, uh, Talon, he gets his first start. That's that's how you pronounce his name, right? Tyone. 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 Tyone gets his first start tonight. Tyone gets his first start tonight. And then the only guy, the guy who I think is going to come out when Severino's ready to get back in the rotation, the guy who I think is going to be out of the rotation is Vermont. He didn't pitch well. On, uh, on on Sunday at all. So the pitching pretty good. Offense got better this week, and the bullpen's been the been the surprise. Even without Britt, I think the bullpen has pitched really well too. So pretty good start for the Yankees. See for the Yankees. I just want to see more hitting with runners in scoring position. That 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 that, that I think is the thing they need to improve on. Because even last night in the win, yeah. they bases loaded nobody out. They didn't score. If you're playing a team that's not the Orioles, you're going to get hurt doing that. So hitting runners in scoring position, I think, is the concern with the Yankees so far. Yeah, and that's been the story the last few years, unfortunately. Just that's the thing. It hasn't gotten better. I remember we, I was arguing with Joe. We were doing the roll call. I was arguing with Joe, like, saying, depth in the rotation is an issue. And Joe's like, you're wrong. It's hitting, it's hitting with runners in scoring position. And all right, I'll give Joe some credit. He actually was right about that. <laughs> yes, he has. It's been a problem the last three, four years with this team. Look, and, and I know it's all everybody's homer or nothing nowadays, which, you know, again, it doesn't always work, but whatever, you know. Um, yeah, you know, my problem too, is that this actually, I, I guess Guardy wasn't terrible last night, but can we stop with this lefty nonsense? In the, oh, oh, in the oh, oh, yeah. Joe, Joe texted me and Trevor last night about Gardner hitting third. He was so, he was so oh, upset yeah, Gardner was hitting third. Yeah. I even don't like, I mean, I could take Hicks hitting third over Gardner, but I don't even like Hicks hitting third. I'm tired of, it. I said it last week, this lefty yeah. writing nonsense has got to stop. Put Judge and Stanton together. I don't get that. Put them together. I, I don't understand it. I don't understand it at all. You have two two great power hitters. Put them together in the lineup. I mean, come on. Boone has barely done that in the four years been manager. I don't I don't get it. Yeah. I don't think he makes the lineup. I, I think it's upstairs. And, you know, like of course it's upstairs. Of course. Aaron Boone played yeah. the game. His dad was has been in baseball. The Boone's have been in baseball for years. His dad yeah. was in baseball for years. He played for the Reds in the Phillies. He was a manager of the Reds. His brother played for the Reds and the Mariners. Him, he's been he was around baseball. We know that he was on the Reds, the Yankees, the Indians. The Boone's have been around baseball all, all their entire career. We know that lineup is being is being made upstairs. And, and it's a problem. Get Judge and Stanton to bat together. I don't. I don't get why it's an issue. Like, 
I don't like why like with the new rule too of okay, it's a lefty. He, you know, with so many bringing in the bullpen's got to go at least three batters. What did the one lefty do? Like, it's not like they can. I don't get it. I don't understand. You're just making things worse because it's like Hicks is lost up that the play. He, he yeah. you know, and I like Hicks, but he's lost. You know. And Gardner, uh, yeah. yes, I know Gardner got a hit last night, but Gardner should not he's shouldn't not. be on the team. He no. shouldn't even be on the team. Okay, let's be real. They're they're just being loyal to him. And I listen. I appreciate everything Brett Gardner's done in the 13 yeah. years he's been a Yankee, but he shouldn't be on the team. No, no, I'm with you. Yeah, it's a loyal thing. You know, he, yeah, he should not be batting third. I would not bind him. I want him night because I feel like he's a great guy that can turn the turn the um lineup over. Like, why don't we bat him night? Turn the turn the lineup over. Let me. I know, I know, I know. Or even I like I wouldn't even mind Frazier there. I wouldn't even, you know like because Frazier, you know the bats he puts in, he's you know he's a guy that can get on base for you. Look, and you didn't even mention Garrett. I'm a oh, Gary, Gary. I, for, I, I, forgot, I forgot about Gary. I forgot about Gary. Joe, when he's listening, if he when he, when he listens to this, he's gonna be very upset at me for not mentioning Gary Sanchez. I forgot to mention Joe's guy. And of course, of course, when Gary at that home run opening day, guess who texted me and Trevor? Yo. Oh, Yo. El Kraken. El Kraken. He was all pumped up when Gary at that homer, and he hit the homer run on Saturday too. So oh, yeah, yeah, I like I like what El Kraken's doing. I like what Gary Sanchez oh. is doing. You know, he's just, he's, he, I mean, he, he, it's average. If he can just hit 250 and hit a bunch of home runs, I don't mind at all. I don't mind that at all. It's just the hitting under 200 is just, and, and all the strikeouts is what I mind. Mind with Gary. That's what I, that's what I'm upset about with Gary Sanchez. That's what I mind. But yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it just, it be, yeah go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, yeah, it bothers me too with all the strikeouts. It does, you know, but like Saturday, um, or no, Sunday, it's like he, he got jammed on one of them and he just missed it. It's like if he's more, um, he kind of waited back and you know, it would have been a home run. Like he's outs too. I've been, you know, he's at the ball. Well, like, you know, as long as you're not striking out, as long as you put the ball, I've always learned you just put the ball in play. Good things can happen. Like that's all that, again, I don't, you know. Yeah, but that's the problem with baseball now. This, this whole, when we, when we grew up, even, even I'm, I'm, I'm older than you, but I grew up yeah. strikeouts were terrible. Strikeouts were like, especially if you were like a seven, eight or nine hitter. Strikeouts were terrible. If you struck out, you'd, you'd rather ground out three times in a game. They'd be happy because at least you got your bat on the ball. If you struck out, they would the coach would be would not be happy. Would be would be really upset at you because you didn't put the beer bat on the ball. You did you probably grew up playing baseball that way too. Yeah, I grew up. Yeah, put the bat on the ball. I just, did you know, your did your dad coach just like in basketball? Your dad tell you that he coached that. Yeah. Said the same thing there. Yep. Yeah. Baseball. Yep. I, I stunk at baseball. My brother was a good baseball player, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it was put the ball in play. It was just, you know, make good contact. Again, again follow, you know, just, just have good at-bats. Put them, you know. And Gary's been doing that. He's been putting the ball in play. Again, even he's been getting to a bunch. I think it was Sunday, too. He got to, like, two or three full counts. Like, look, if he just, you know, if he strikes out but goes eight or nine pitches, I'll be okay with that, you know. But as long as he has good productive at-bats, I'm good with Gary. You know, I'm fine. Just, yeah, at least keep it above, like, or around 250. As long as it's there, I'm good. But, yeah, he's good. You know, Stan. Stan's going to get it going. Stan's too – and this is why I can't stand Yankee fans booing him. He's too good not to, like – You you, 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 and Joe Aguirre. You and Joe Aguirre with Giancarlo Stan. I like I, him. You know, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. He's, 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 a, he's a top player. He's a great yeah. power hitter. The problem with him, though, is he can't stay healthy, and he yeah, strikes he out in big situations. He does. 
And yeah, that's a problem. But that's baseball now. I know, 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 I get it. I get it, I get it. We say Judge was struggling. Judge was struggling that past weekend. That's the thing. That's the thing with people. That's the thing. Like, if you look at Aaron Judge, his average is great. I mean, if you look, if you're just looking at stats and not watching the Yankees, like we're like me, you and me, you, Joe, and Trevor are, or and Lucas. If you're if you're just like looking at the stats, you think, oh, Judge is doing so great and Stanton's doing so poorly. Here's what I'll explain the difference. Uh, Judge came up in two situations on opening day: seventh inning, he hit into a double play; ninth inning, he struck out. And then even 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 in, on Sunday, he hit into a double play when the Yankees could have had a big inning. So the clutch hit, he, Judge has been a little bit not hitting on Judge at all, but he's been a little bit of a compiler because that home run last night he hit in the. Uh, in the uh, uh, eighth inning, they were going to win that. They were going to win that game anyways. They were going to win that game anyways. So it, it really just it was kind of he was kind of a compiler there getting that three run homer. But Stanton that grand slam on Monday night that was a huge grand slam, huge that put that game away. So sometimes in baseball we tend to look at stats and we don't look at you know how big the hits are, how clutch the hits are. That's what Joe does a great job of is and Joe always brings up he brought up that point with Mike Trout. He brought up that point with Pete Alonso where. Some of the some of the compiling you, you have to, sometimes you know you have to look at compilers where they just put up stats where clutch hitting is a big thing and I think you're seeing that you see that with with Judge and Stan sometimes Judge's numbers look great but he's not hitting great in the clutch but Stan hit a, hit a had a huge grand slam Stan's grand slam was definitely bigger than Judge's three run homer last night yeah go back to postseason Stan guy hit six big home runs you know maybe one or two of them was kind of they were already up but like still most of them I think were tied or they were up one or two like. He had some big home runs, Stan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, about that. Yeah, yeah. You don't don't tell Joe that Stan get it in the postseason because he will he will give you all that information. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he will. You know, but yeah, you know, like he, now, you know, we so it's like we know we can do it. Just laying up on that. Look, and the guy too. The the boom doesn't face him. Like the guy had his like, you know, teeth, you know, or you know, we got hit with that fastball. He my or his face was like, you know. It, like when you know, like went into his teeth or whatever. It was, you know, it was bad. You know, so like, I give that Greg care to just be able to stand up in the batter's box because I would have quit after that. But look, so the boos don't bother him. Um, I, I can't stand the Yankee fans do boo him. Look, I, I know, I know Yankee fans are. I know we are ridiculous and we, you know, we think it's a video game and we could get all the all stars we want whenever we want. But look, you know, it, it's baseball. It's just that's the only thing too about baseball. You're gonna, you're gonna uh, fail. You know, it's a game of time. failure. It's a game of yeah. failure. I mean, I love football, but a lot of you know fans become fo- footballized by thinking, oh, or basketballized yeah. by thinking you're gonna you're gonna do it every time. You've got to understand in baseball, the best players, yeah, if you count on base percentage, but there's, I mean, uh, guys, the highest on base percentage is like over maybe four four fifty or something. Yeah. You're still failing six out of six out of ten times. You're failing. You're either you're, you're not getting on base. You're failing six out of ten times. You got to be mentally tough. You can't coach. You can't look at. Ba- you can't like like coaches. You can't coach baseball like you're coaching football or basketball. You fail a lot in baseball. You got to just be able to. De- you got to be able to deal with failure, failure, and be mentally tough. That, I mean, the best hitters succeed. We haven't had a 400 hitter. A guy hit a 400 since Ted Williams. So the best. Yeah, you're failing seven out of ten times. What in any in any walk of life. Where, where, how, where could you succeed thirty percent of the time and have that be good? Yeah, it's it's rare. That's a great point. It's very rare to, you know, somebody like a yeah, like a like a trial like what three fifty. So it's like like yeah, he's failing still like six and a half out of ten times, and it's you know he's the biggest paid star in the game. 
you know, like, yeah, it's a game of failure. I, you know, it's, you know, I, I don't again, think fans get what a 300 average is. 300 average. It means you fail. You, you got to hit 30% of the time. I, don't, I think fans don't get that. I think they don't get where these numbers come. Some, some people that don't understand baseball don't get where these numbers come from. Having a 300 average means you failed seven out of 10 times. Yeah. You got to hit 30% I mean, of the time. And that's great for me. You know, that's great in baseball nowadays, about 300. Yeah. And also, yeah, it's so, it's, it's weird. And yeah, and I, and I, you know, you made a great point with that, the football. I, I, it is with all the other sports again. Yeah. You see Giannis put up 30 a game, LeBron, AD, but it's like, yeah, you see Sam Ben 188 right now. It's like, oh, this guy's oh, doing so terrible. Know? No, but he had probably, he had probably the biggest hit of the season. Yeah. I'm on yeah, that. Yeah. That thing was a half to moonshot. I think, you know, so 2015, I think I saw, he's got 27 home runs that are over 450 feet. And second is like Nelson Cruz, like 13. So it's like when the guy puts, when the guy puts contact, again, it's going to go a long way. So, and I tell you another thing I know about the balls too. It, it actually is improvement this year. What do you say? The, what do you say the about balls, the balls? They're, they're improvement. They're, they're oh, really? you know, less juice this year. Okay. I, Kind of watching the last few Red Sox games too. It's like you know they were even saying the broadcast like some of these home runs you know would have been home runs last year, but they're they're dying on the long yeah. track. So yeah, you know again I maybe makes it, but yeah you know uh in back you know the Yankees here they look good. I'm actually really excited to see James and tie on tonight. I'm actually yeah, it's, really excited to watch. And we'll look at what's ahead for the Yankees. James Tyon, John Means tonight. Good 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 man. This is the game yeah. the Orioles could win. I mean if they're going to win a game in the series because Means pitched really well against the Red Sox on opening day. Uh looking at the Rays series too, you got Corey Kluber against Rich Hill, uh Herman against uh, Archer and and uh Jordan Montgomery against Michael Waka. I think they they very easily could take two out of three from the Rays and it'll be a tough one tonight against the Orioles, but I think they could win three of their next four. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, I, I think so. The lineup could just kind of be decent. Again, you know, four or five runs a lot. You know, the, the rotation's been good. Bullpen's been great. You know, Lickis, Lucas, uh, Lickie Shore's been great. He shouldn't have been able to give it that home run last night. But, yeah, I, I think they could steal three out four. Again, they should be motivated going to Tampa. I think you want some revenge what happened last year. Um, yeah, you don't have to face glass on. He pitched last night, so you won't be seeing this weekend. Wackett just got a they Boston tattooed him on uh, – Monday night. So, yeah, you know, they three out of four should not, you know, again, should not be out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. So now, now we'll move on to the Red Sox. And after the first, uh, first week of first three games against the Orioles, it looked like it was going to be a long season for the Red Sox. It looked like they were going to be terrible. I mean, especially after Sunday, Garrett Richards was absolutely pathetic. They lost like 11 to three. Did you work that game? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It looked absolutely pathetic. Garrett Richards was terrible. So they started 0 3, but. This week, the Red Sox came back, had the big win on opening night, 11-2. And then last night, I think last night showed a lot about this Red Sox team. And I feel like it showed that things are going to be different with the Red Sox yeah. this year. Yeah, they might not be a great team, but I think they could be around that. You know, 80, you know they could win half their game. They could be an 81-82 win team. I think that sh it, they showed fight last night. I mean, they were down eighth inning. I mean, J.D. Martinez has been phenomenal mm -hmm. so far. And, and last yeah. night proved how great he was, how great he's been this year. I mean, in the, first, the, in the first week of the season. Had that big double to make the game 3-2. to two, And then we all know what he did last night. We know, all know he had that game-winning uh, RBI, uh, R R that game -winning R RBI double to win the game. So really, a really good win for the Red Sox last night. Obviously, Vasquez has been good, too. He had that home run to tie the game in the ninth inning. And uh, and uh, Bogarts has been okay so far. Devers has struggled, but Devers got a big hit. Got a big hit to tie the game last night, too. So... Yeah, their lineup has been okay. It's been better of late. And then the thing is, is the question is going to be the pitching, though. The pitching is going to be the big question. Garrett Richards absolutely was absolutely pathetic. 
Evaldi wasn't that bad on opening day. The rest of the pitch outside of outside of Richards, the pitching hasn't been as bad as we thought. But but uh, and the bullpen has been better. Has been better. I think better than we thought. I think the bullpen was good last night against the, against the Rays. A big reason they won that game. They held the Rays down, especially when the Rays had an early lead. So I think they 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 kept the Rays in check there. And yeah, so when they get sale and they get Erod back, I think this team. I think looking at this team through the first week of the season, yeah, after Sunday, we definitely have a, di- a much different opinion. Uh, after Sunday, we thought, okay, this team would be lucky to win seventy games. We'd be lucky to win seventy games. Now shows you the difference. Two games, two wins makes over the Rays. They could get to that, you know, 80, 82 win. They could be in that 80, 82 win range with Alex Cora. I think with Alex Cora as a manager, there's a little bit more fight in, fight in this team, and they proved that last night. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because I remember last year, you know, listening to, like, interviews with Renicky, he just very quiet. Just, again, he didn't seem like he brought any energy. So, yeah, it's been a difference this year with um, Alex Cora back at, back at the manager spot. But, yeah. J.D. Martinez, he's really benefited this year from having the video back. And he was lost last year without it. He was so upset that they took it away. You know, obviously, you know, the, the scandals with the Astros, you know, they kind of had to, to figure it all out. But they took him out of the 202 last year. He didn't like, you know, he did not like hitting the 202 for whatever reason. But he looks like a totally different hitter. And I think he leads the league right now. He's like 9 for 15. Um, he looks great. Devers looks lost. They need to, even in the field, he's lost out there. I, I don't know what's going on with him. And that's the guy they really counted on. That's yeah. the, this is the guy they counted on when they traded Mookie Betts. This is the guy they counted on to be that guy. We remember when he came out. Because I, I remember watching Devers at uh, Duncan DD Park when he Duncan Donuts Park when he was with the Sea Dogs in like seventeen. He had a he had a home run over the over the right field wall. He crushed that. He crushed. He had a long home run over the right field wall. He pulled it and crushed the ball. So a lot of people thought that Devers was going to be the guy. The 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 guy to uh to turn this thing around for for, for, for the Sox. And he hasn't started well. He didn't get the hurt, hit last night to tie the game in the 11th inning. But, I mean, he hasn't started well yet. So he has definitely been lost so far for them. Yeah, yeah, because he started out 0 for 11 or 0 for 12 to that hit. So, yeah, you know, in 32 or 3 areas. So, yeah, they need to get him going. Garrett Richards is boot off the mound Sunday, which is – He should have been. Yeah, that's, that's, that's absolutely terrible. It's an absolutely terrible performance. Cause, yeah, because the fans too Sunday after that third inning, it was just a boo fest. They were just booing. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Right where they could, so. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, but the bullpen's been good. You know, Adovino, he's gotten you know guys that have gotten on like Adovino usually gives up, but then he he's been getting out of jam. Matt Barnes looked great yesterday. Um, he went two innings, struck out four against the Rays. He he looks good in a big big you know it's a free agent year for him, so he's looked really good so far out of the start. They just brought down um, Tanner Howard. Um, you know, which I, a lot of the fans are disappointed about and, you know, the broadcasters, I, I like him, you know, he's at the second most strikeouts in four starts of the Red Sox only by like Dice K and Dice K's pitched five more into them. And he's only, you know, hot, hot only trimmed by like five strikeouts. So he, he's been good. They wanted to develop a third pitch. They wanted to develop in that, that splitter. So that's why they're bringing him down. Um, but Darwin Hernandez and Jot Taylor out of the bullpen, they're two guys are hot, kind of high on. They just they're both just no command right now. Um, so they, they need those two to get going. And they want Hunter Hunter Renfro too. I, I thought it was a really nice signing for him. He he hasn't got it going either. You know, I thought his power um that short porch out there and right, I thought, you know, could could be a you know, nice get for him, but he's really he's he struggles. I think that like 150 um so far, but yeah, you know, if the rotations could be decent enough and with this lineup, they could, yeah, I, I could definitely see these guys being around 500. You know, Erod, I think, is supposed to go tomorrow in Baltimore. Yeah, he is um, going tomorrow. He is going tomorrow he is in going Baltimore. To get, to yeah. official. Okay. I know they said today they were going to make it official, but 
So they'll have him back. Sale, I, it sounds like they're not going to rush Sale back. It sounds like Sale probably won't be back to like August now. So oh wow, it sounds like, but um, yeah, it's like July, August. So um, with this lineup again, you know, Bogarts, Devers, like those guys, it's going. It's a very, very scary lineup. So um, it, it's been a night. Nice, it's been a you know nice bounce back. To, you know, kind of because the Rays look great in Tam- or Miami past weekend but you know I, I figured they could you know Boston could go yeah. go to Baltimore being on six. Yeah I didn't question I didn't think the I didn't think the Rays were gonna be that good of a team this year because they're depth in the rotation and that and that's showing and even their bullpen blew the game the other night took last yeah, night. Did. Yeah yeah I think it was first pitch in the bottom night the Vax is absolutely destroyed but yeah, um yeah. off of Castillo but yeah so you know I, I thought the Rays I, I thought the Rays were gonna win last night but yeah there were so many base running errors last night it, it was just ridiculous. Um I think both teams probably do three or four runs. Oh, really? Wow. With that, um, he's bad. But yeah, you know, Boston. I, I you know, they're down uh, one nothing right now in the top four. Yeah, I saw. I just checked. Yeah. Yeah. So again, you know, you could leave going, leave this homestand three and three, which I think after Sunday they would have, anybody would have taken, you know, at, at that point after getting absolutely swept by the Royals, and their old lineup did nothing against that pitching staff, absolutely nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And so we'll look at the – speaking of the Orioles, we'll look at the road ahead for the Red Sox. And tonight, today, obviously, they're losing one nothing. But looking at this weekend, Thursday, they got the uh, they got the Orioles. They got Erod against Harvey. Erod makes his first start, first start in two years for the Sox. He won 19 games in 2000 and, uh, in 2019, even though he had a bunch of run support. They still had bets on the team that year. Uh, then we got Garrett Richards trying to get redemption against uh, against the Jordan Zimmerman. Zimmerman's on the Orioles, right? Yeah. Um, Zimmerman. No, like Bruce, Bruce. Okay, Bruce. It's like Bruce Zimmerman, I think his name is. Okay, Bruce Zimmerman. Okay. And then uh, you got uh, Pavetta against – Pavetta didn't pitch bad in the yeah, opener yeah. against Lopez on uh, on uh, on Sunday. So, uh, I think the Sox – I think I think they can go – I'd say they go two and two. I think they take two out of three from the Birds and they lose today. Yeah, I could, yeah, I think two and two. Yeah, I think the Rays get one today. I think the O's – Matt Harvey actually was not bad last weekend, man. Yeah. Matt Harvey put pretty well. So, maybe Harvey could do another one. Yeah, I could see the Sox going two and two here. Um Going into Monday. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So, are the, w- the big three for the Nets? Are they ever going to play together? We'll talk about that next. But but right now we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Can you believe it? It hasn't happened at Fenway Park for ninety. Swing and a miss, strike three, it's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. Tune in to the newest show presented by Clovercrest Media. It's Obi's Backstop Podcast. Catch it twice a week, every Red Sox series finale on your favorite podcast platform. So we thought that we get all the big three playing together. But on Monday night, Harden gets hurt. He's going to miss 10 days because Durant's coming back tonight. So Harden, Harden missed, is now going to miss the next 10 days. And you could argue, yes, Kevin Durant might be their best player because of the way he could score and the way he could play defense. But seeing the position they both play, I think James Harden is the Nets' most important player because of you know he's able to you know penetrate to the basket, draw double teams, kick out, set up guys to shoot three to shoot threes. Uh, I think he's honestly, I think he's the most important player on this Nets team. And I think this Nets team could potentially struggle without him. They played tonight against the Pelicans at home. They got the Lakers at home. Luckily for them against the Lakers, they were AD and LeBron won't play. They got the Timberwolves, which they should win that game. But then there's a tough one. They got to play, go to Philly 
on uh, on uh, on uh, next week on Wednesday night. And Lucas is excited, going to be excited because Philly's going to be at full strength. You saw what Embiid did last night against the Celtics at 33 points. Philly's going to be at full strength. The Nets won't. So that could be another game where the Sixers could beat the Nets. And, and that could be big in terms of getting the number one seed. And I think the number one seed's important because if you get into the second round, you avoid playing the Bucs. And I think I think there there's a drop off after, after from the Bucks to the fourth best team. I think the Heat are good, but I don't think they're as good as the Bucks. So I think that number one seed could be important. So that could be a big game not to have Harden in. And then they got one against you got one against the Hornets too, which which the Hornets they're banged up, so they should win that. And then the Heat they got the Heat, and then at New Orleans, I think the earliest Harden will be back is the twentieth against against New Orleans. So I do think the Nets could struggle a little bit with Harden now, and they could potentially lose that number one seed because one of those games is in Philly next week. Yeah, they possibly could. Yeah, tonight too they should take because Ingram's still out, I believe too. So they they should take care of business tonight. Um, yeah, unfortunately for the Lakers, just no, you know, their top guys can't say out. They should be able to win that. Um, but yeah, you know that Philly game tonight is going to be a great one. Um, but yeah, like you know, like this Durant injury too. I know he's coming back tonight, but like a month ago they were saying, oh, he'll be back for the All Star break, and I and I get why they probably didn't want to rush him back in. You know, look, but um. Yeah, you do, you know, because I worry about these three, too, because it's like, you know, chemistry-wise, they, they played, what, like one or two games together? Something, you know? Yeah, I mean, the Lakers and Nets should get to the finals. The issue yeah. is going to be chemistry. Chemistry is going to be the biggest issue because, yeah, yeah the, the big three has barely played together. And and for the Lakers, our, our AD, LeBron, AD, LeBron, and Drummond have never played together. Yeah, yeah. so, hey, look, you know, I know I'm kind of writing it all off and like, oh, you know, the, the, the finals are already, you know, made, you know, with Mets and Lakers. But, yeah, you know, there could be a potential upset if, if these guys, chemistry-wise, if they're not there. You know, and you're right about Hart. I, you know, I think I said a few weeks ago, I, I was kind of wrong about Hart, you know. Um, oh, yeah. He's, he's a great he's, passer. Yeah, look at how much he's meant to the Nets. Yeah. Look at how much he's meant to the look – at, look at the Rockets since he's left. Yeah, the Rockets, they're just total disarray right now. Um they got a long process ahead of them to get back to competitive. Uh, but yeah, so he's he's been great. Yeah, the double teams again, and they have so many knockdown three point shooters that it's it's yeah you have to double team them. But again, it's you know someone else is going to hit a shot. It, it's going to be if those three can kind of get together and, and really start playing some games here down the stretch. It's it's, a, it's such a danger because yeah, it's about a month until the playoffs begin. So yeah, it's it. They can hopefully get Harden back in what two weeks? They that gives them yeah about two three weeks here for the playoffs to get going. So that's about what, nine ten games. So you hope it's enough. But then it's like, do do they rest guys if they do have a seat clinched up? Like, I know, but they're not. I don't think they're going to. I think them and yeah, Philly are going to be neck and neck right to the end in terms of getting home field home court advantage in, in in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, so probably not. But you know, it's something that you know you may have to think about. But yeah, so. Again, everybody wants to see these three get going. The schedule's not bad, you know. Again, they should take care of business. You know, it's the Pelicans, Lakers. Again, that that Sixers game should be good. But I do worry about these guys chemistry wise. Again, they look good. The two games that are out there together, they they look really really good. But um, again, again maybe against a team like Philly or, or Milwaukee, or if it's one night where just things are not going right, you know. Again, how does it go? So it, it's very interesting. To see kind of how that um how it all shakes up and yeah hopefully they all get on the floor soon yeah i mean that, that, that's the th- that's the thing as we said they're clearly the favorite in the east 
I don't want to hear, or, and maybe the favorite to win. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about the Jazz. I don't want to hear about the. I don't want to hear about the the, the Sixers. I don't want to hear about the Bucks. The only team I would consider is the Lakers to beat them when they're when they're healthy and playing well together. That's the only team that could beat them is the Lakers. I don't want to hear about because I because the Jazz the other night against the Mavs, Donovan Mitchell was terrible from three point range. They don't have a superstar that could that could match you know what the Nets have. The Sixers they have one superstar in Joel Embiid, and Embiid is not as good as a player as as James Harden and Kevin Durant. So. If they're healthy, the only team that has a chance to beat, if they're healthy and playing well, the only team that has a chance to beat this uh, this Nets team is the Lakers. And that is a fact. There is nobody can convince me that the Jazz, that anybody else can beat the, can beat the Nets outside of the Lakers if they're, if they're together and if they're playing well. Yeah, I would, I would love to give Jason credit here and say the Jazz, but they just don't want the fire. They just don't want the star power. They live and they, they they live and die by the three. They live and die by the three. That's the problem. And and and, and a Monday night against the and a Monday night against the Mavericks that showed. Yeah, yeah. What they showed like eighty six points or something. No, no. They they they, they, they were they weren't great from three. The, the Mavericks were winning by like the Mavericks hit a bunch of threes and they didn't hit a ton of threes. Oh, they won't play. Maybe it was another night. I, I saw that like one. Maybe I thought I I saw they scored like scored like eighty four. I, I maybe I was dreaming or something, but um I don't know. But um. Yeah, so yeah, the only two teams that could um, yeah, he, yeah, the only team that could beat the Nets are the Lakers. It's it's the only one that could match, or it's the only two that could match the three stars. They're you know the Nets three stars. Um, and again, then the Nets at you know the Nets too have like a Joe Harris, you know as well who's, who's a great three point shooter. So it's just it's the only and then Aldridge. You know, I'm forgetting Aldridge. I know Aldridge isn't at the level he was with the Trailblazers, but He's still a good piece to have, you know. Again, they kind of need some of that size. I know they're not really playing DeAndre Jordan much. It's been um, big uh, Claxton or what, you know, big guy. Um, so yeah, the Lakers. Yeah, if Lakers can get healthy with Davis and LeBron and, and Drummond, you know, I, I think Drummond could really, you know, him and AD could really pose a lot of problems um, for the Nets. But yeah, it's the only team I, I see being able to beat this Brooklyn team. Yeah, and then they play this Saturday. Unfortunately, we're not going to see LeBron. We're not going to see AD. And we're not going to see Harden. And the last time, I think, I think I don't think we, I think AD was out, and I think Durant was out too. So we've not seen these two teams play at full strength. That's why it would be nice to have this be a championship matchup because, unfortunately, on Saturday we're not going to have that. But it would be nice to have this be an NBA Finals matchup because I would love to see these two teams go up against each other at full strength. Yeah, it would be great. And I think it's probably the only finals match, you know, the only final matches that then you know that would be competitive with the Nets too. So um yeah, it'd be great to see these two games. Just two teams going to best of seven. Um I'd probably still get the edge of the Nets. Probably well, maybe yeah, probably, even though I know LeBron way he plays in the finals, but yeah, again, it's the finals that we all wanna see. Um just all those yeah, with all those six stars now, you, you know, you hope by that point they're all healthy and, and nothing goes wrong. But, you know, with all the injuries and what, what's happened, it's like, you know, I'm not even for certain if all six guys will be healthy, you know, going in big playoffs or get hurt in a series or two, you know. But, yeah, it would be a heck of a series and definitely the series we all want to watch. It absolutely would. But we got to wrap up the show and we cannot forget about this. The Masters are this this week and we definitely have to talk about we have to, have to spend a little bit of time talking about him and you know going into this masters obviously the defending champion dustin johnson nine to one odds uh 
uh, Jordan Smith who won the Valero Open last week. He's at ten to one. Uh, uh, Justin Thomas, Thomas ten to one. Bryson DeChambeau eleven to one. Uh, Roy McIlroy fourteen to one. Uh, Brooks Kepka twenty five to one. Patrick Reed uh, twenty eight to one. Uh, so I think this should be a really good. I'm really I'm excited for the Masters. I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a good tournament. Uh, I, I just hope we get a Sunday. It would be great to have this one year where we get DJ and Spieth going at it on a Sunday. That would that would be amazing. Unfortunately, Tiger's not gonna be in this Masters. And this Masters, I mean, one of the greatest sports stories in my lifetime was Tiger winning the Masters in 2019. Unfortunately, he won't be a part of the Masters this year in Augusta. But you know, I'd love to see you know a DJ Jordan Spieth because Spieth won the won the Valero Open last week. Uh, I'd love to see them go at it on Sunday. That would be that would be outstanding. That would be that'd be a great match. It just yeah, Spieth looked good actually last weekend. You know, it, again, um, yeah, first first title in four years, so it'd be so fun to watch those two go at it. The ratings for that too would be off the charts. So that that'd be that would be an unbelievable um, Sunday matchup there with those two dudes going at it. Um, it's you know, both of them are just such great, great golfers. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And I'm not, I'm not the biggest golf guy, but when it gets the majors, you know, the Masters, uh, uh, the U.S. Open, the British Open, I'm, I'm definitely paying attention. Obviously, the Travelers because it's where so close to where we are. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely paying attention. But I'm, you know, I, I, you know, I'll be, I'll be definitely paying attention to the Masters. I always do. It's Super Bowl of golf. It's definitely something that that, that you that 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 you definitely pay attention to. But just, just give me for once, give me a Dustin Johnson. Uh, Jordan Spieth on the last day. That that would just be great. Oh yeah, that, that would be great. Um, yeah, you know, I'm always tuned in on Sunday. It's weird, you know. We just it's, we just had it back in November. It was really it is weird. weird. It's weird. Time. It's weird. Yeah, it's like we're having two Masters in five months. It shows you how weird the sports calendar is. We're gonna get like two Kentucky Derbies in this in about like in about eight eight months. So it's it's weird the way the sports calendar has been with COVID. But 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 hey, we'll take it. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll take it. Yeah, usually it's April. Yeah, yeah, it's like such a busy, busy time, you know, for sports right now. Um, with everything going on, but yeah, yeah, I'll definitely take it. It's gonna be much easier to be able to follow it than on last Sunday, you know, on November on a Sunday with football. Oh, that was last year. Last year, I last year I barely could follow it because yeah. the final was on a sun, an NFL Sunday. That was weird, and then the. The second, the second, the second round was on a college. The second, uh, the second to last day was on a college football. So I barely yeah. f- college football uh, Saturday. So I barely even think I even watched the Masters last year. So I'll definitely be definitely more into the Masters this year. Yeah, one hundred percent. I will be. I, I will be too. Because usually this is like the last weekend for NBA and NHL. So it's like you know, big kind of. You know, sometimes you get a big game on a Saturday or Sunday. But and I think yeah, I think the Masters have a bigger, even bigger focus yeah. this year because of the NHL and, and NBA moving their seasons back. Baseball people really don't yeah. care. Uh, until maybe until even maybe till the all-star break nationally so yeah i mean i think i think i i'm really i'm really excited for this weekend yeah me too um it's it's always a, yeah it's, it's always fun it's just augusta you know like just you know seeing the course is just how nice it is and just you know how beautiful it is it's yeah it's just a it's it's a great scene you know and yeah and you know for two years ago what tiger did was it, you know an incredible story i don't you know, usually I watch the map, but I think that day I, I was tuned in like all day. Usually it's like I'll I'll go back and forth between them and the Yankees. I, I think I, I just sat on that pretty much all day. Absolutely, absolutely. So who do you got winning it? I'm gonna go with the obvious pick. I'm gonna go with Dustin Johnson winning the second straight. And that's gonna it doesn't usually happen in the Masters. I got Dustin Johnson winning the second straight. I'm gonna go Justin Thomas. I, I think Justin Thomas, nice. Yeah. You know, I, I heard good things about him. I heard somebody, you know, 
listen to said you know K Ken this weekend. So I'll, I'll go. I'll go with Justin Thomas. So I got DJ. You got Justin Thomas. We'll see how that ends up going when we're back here recapping the Masters uh, next week. So we'll see who 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 who, who which guy wins or who, who got closer to winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, hopefully, hopefully. Um, that'd be great. They both go down on Sunday too. You know, if it's those two, you know, going down the last few holes would be great. Oh yeah, I'll take Dustin Johnson and 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 I'll take I like all three of them: Spieth, Johnson, and Thomas yeah. going at it. I would I would take all three of them. You know, you know, uh, uh, going at it like that. I definitely I definitely would. So uh, that's going to wrap it up, though, for Sports Talk with R&J this week. For our producer, Jace Garcia, doing a great job. For Justin Afro, I'm Steve Risser. We will be back next week recapping the Masters, talking Yanks and Sox, and giving you any NFL news that comes our way. Have a great weekend, everyone. Hi, my name is Zach LaPlante. Have you ever imagined about starting your own podcast or radio show to voice your opinion, to share your passions with others? You think to yourself, how would I even start something like that? I don't have any equipment or any experience whatsoever. Well, look no further. The folks at Clovercrest Media got you covered. Clovercrest Media Group is home to over 30 individual podcasts. Like Divide We Stand, I'll Piss You Off Shortly, Speaking It Real, and so much more. At Clovercrest, our sound engineers only believe in the best sounding audio quality. And their expertise will make your podcast sound professional and pleasing to your viewers. As a media group, we are obliged to every type of media available, including, but not limited to, video, audio, photography, and digital media marketing, as well as live streaming, and so much more. As we say here at CMG, the harder we work, the luckier we'll get. To jumpstart your podcast or program, Go to clovercrestmedia.com and get to recording today.